Today's episode of Brody and the Beard is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from GoToMeeting, all about making working from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Add to your flash briefing on Alexa or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. On today's episode of Brody and the Beard, Kelly and I were able to talk with Rafael Stone, Vice President of Basketball Operations for the Houston Rockets, to talk about the huge James Harden trade. Remember that trade, guys? Happened in October 27, 2012. Changed the course of the entire franchise. So we got into it with some deep insights from Rafael. Speaking of looking fresh, is that velvet you have? <laughs> Biggie Velvet. Mo Dackel. This guy's amazing. Welcome to a new episode of Brody and the Beard. I'm your host, Mo DeKeel, and with me, as always, is Kelly Eco, our man on the ground. He's the athletic beat writer for the Houston Rockets. Of course, you're listening to the Athletic Podcast Network. And today we got a special, special guest. We got the executive vice president of basketball operations and general counsel for the Houston Rockets, Rafael Stone, with us. Man, it's going to be a fun, fun episode. Kelly, Rafael, how are you guys doing? Doing good, man. I'm great. Thanks for having me. Oh, man, we're, I, I'm excited. As soon as Kelly told me you were coming on, I was like, this is going to be a fun one, man. I, <laughs> I, I cannot wait. We got you on because we did want to talk about, you know, the, the trade that's been really changed the Rockets history for the past eight years. And we're talking about the James Harden trade, uh, Harden coming from Oklahoma City to the Houston Rockets. We wanted to dive into all of that stuff. So, uh, Kelly, man, t- start us off. Yeah. So, Rafael, just to give us a, a bit of a background on the whole situation, there was a shortened season, 2011-2012, due to the lockout. Yao Ming had, had just retired during that period of time. So it's kind of a weird season. Uh, you guys barely missed the playoffs. What was the early feeling, I guess, around the team after that 34 and 32 season. It's admittedly long enough ago that, that I'm, uh, I, I can't regurgitate it perfectly, but I think not just that season, but for a year or two before that, we felt like we had a lot of good players and we really, really needed somebody uh, to be kind of a foundational player that, that could elevate the other guys around them, right? So it wasn't like we thought that anybody in our roster wasn't actually a good player or, or a good person or capable of being part of a winning team, but we just kind of felt like that foundational piece wasn't there. And so for, you know, for, for a while, it felt like leading into the time when we acquired James, we were out there looking for someone who we thought, you know, we could really build around. So front offices like Houston's and other teams are often faced with tough decisions. What kind of made you guys arrive at that decision to, kind of go in a different direction from what was there previously at that point it wasn't i would say training for james was not for us a tough decision i mean we were we were aggressively out there looking to do a deal like that so so for us you know that it you know we were looking 
my guess is that if we went back, we would find that there were articles and everything written that we weren't really hiding what we were trying to do. Um, we were trying to get a guy like James. And so the issue was just attracting him, being able, you know, obviously trades are hard to pull off. They take two sides. Trying to acquire someone in free agency isn't the easiest, uh, especially if they're the first guy, you know, as you've seen with the NBA over the last few years, people, you know, free agents, superstars, they want a chance to really win. And they often feel like, well, I need, you know, I, I need a little bit of help to do that. And so oftentimes it's that first step that's the hardest. And so at that point in time, we we're trying to take the first step. Um, and we we'd swung a number of times and missed, which I think is perfectly fine. You know, I, I think there's, there's sometimes um, a desire to not swing because it, people feel like it's embarrassing if you don't, if you don't connect. From my perspective, I kind of look at it a little differently where I, I don't feel that embarrassment. I kind of think you're supposed to be trying and trying and trying and trying and not everything will work. And, and sometimes you try and, and you try your hardest and it doesn't work. And sometimes you don't try your hardest because you're not willing to go in, but you still try. Yeah. Uh, in any case, uh, uh, back then, I think we were, you know, we had the assets we had to do the deal and, and it was a big deal and, and they got a lot right for James. And obviously we thought he was worth, you know, kind of whatever we could put together. And so that's, that's, that was our perspective of it. It wasn't, wasn't terribly difficult for us. Cause like I said, we we're trying to find someone like even leading up to the, the, the Harden trade, like that summer, you guys had traded Lowry to the, the Toronto Raptors uh, for, I think a bunch of picks and, 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 and some assets you know, was, was there an inkling in your guys' mind going into that summer that there's a possibility that there might be a, a big fish that's going to be available coming, you know, just through the season? Because the Harden trade happens late in October. So, you you know, obviously you're planning in free agency and everything's happening in July. Like, was, was there a thought process then that somebody might become available later in the year? Well, if I remember right, the, the Lowry deal we actually did with reverse protection. I think it was the first deal that was ever done like that. So the key to that one was we, we were able to acquire a pick that was a guaranteed lottery pick. So if you think about it, most of the times a first round picks are protected to be um, uh, non-lottery, right? So like uh, we did this one to be protected lottery. So I think it only transferred if the pick was one through 14 or something or three through 14. I don't remember exactly what the protection was. But it, it didn't go if, if it ended up being higher. And so we thought we did that because we thought that that would really, really help us acquire, you know, a, a, a top line type player. But the pick in that case was, we thought, going to be a really, really compelling asset. And I think uh, I think it turned out to be that. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was a, a big part, right, in that in the move that that got you, James. But at what point, because, like, you know, we knew that summer the the Thunder were coming into restricted free agency with Harden. They've already paid KD, Russell Westbrook, Serge Ibaka. Like, you know, was there an, what point in leading up to the trade did it really kind of become a possibility that, wow, like Harden might actually be uh, available. Like this, this, this might be something like when did his name pop up in your offices going like, this is a guy we can go get. I think about a month before the actual trade was the first time we thought that there was a real chance. And then maybe a week before it happened, we thought maybe we were the front runners. But I mean, obviously a situation like this, it's all on the other team, right? Like, and, and actually, that's not true. It's all on the other team. And then it's on maybe 10 other NBA teams, right? Because, you know, you never know how people are going to value what you have 
versus how they'll value what others have. And so we didn't feel like necessarily if everybody valued James the way we valued him, we didn't think we would necessarily have the most compelling package of everybody out there, but we were going to put together the most compelling package we could. That, that was kind of how we thought about it. And then it, then, it, then it requires the team holding James to decide that they're actually going to do the trade. And it requires others not to put together packages that are, that are better than what we, we were able to, right? And so in this instance, um, both those things happen. But that's, that's why tra- doing trades in the NBA, is, well, doing trades is so hard because, yeah, it's not just, you know, one, the team has to decide to move any player. And then two, others have to not outbid you, right? And right. so, and, and sometimes you just don't have what they have. You know, and so it, it's, you know, it's, it's not the easiest thing to get deals done. Yeah, I think, I think it's one of the things that a lot of fans don't understand when it comes to trades is that it's not just you plugging away at Trade Finder. There are so many layers and phone calls and texts you have to do just to get to that point. Is that, is that kind of how you guys approach things generally as an organization? Yeah, I mean, we, I, I think we're one of the more aggressive teams in terms of calling others and just we don't assume that anybody's not available. We want to ask the question just to make sure. And then we're aggressive in trying to make things happen if we think that, that it's ultimately better for the organization, right? And and I think we're, hopefully we as a group are not afraid of being criticized. It's To your point, Kelly, you, you never really get criticized for the deals you don't do. You only get criticized for the deals you do do because the world doesn't know what was out there that you could have done that you didn't do. Because of that, most people are looking for every trade they want to be like the best trade ever, right? Because they want it to hold up to scrutiny. I shouldn't say most people. I, I, I do think that there are some who are like that. That's something I think we try very hard to fight against because, you know, it's our job to do the best we can absolutely do. And if you do that, you're going to make mistakes. It's, it's, it's no different than a guy shooting shots, right? Like, in order to score points, you've got to shoot. If you shoot, you're going to miss. And so you, you've got to be willing to take the criticism that comes with missing shots or that comes with missing on trades. If, you're going to, if you do a lot of trades, you know, you're definitely going to do some that, that, that don't pan out as well as you'd like. And so that, that aversion to doing that is something we, we try and guard against because, you know, we think ultimately that's our job is, is to know what we're doing and, and to get more right than we get wrong, but also to accept that we will get some wrong and, and take the heat that comes with it. I, I kind of appreciate the aggressive nature in which you guys go at it. And I also like the fact that it seems like you guys aren't afraid, aren't worried about winning the press conference. You guys are going to make the moves that make the most sense for the team and, and what's going to help the team win. And, and, and I, I really enjoy or I appreciate that aspect from the, the Rockets front office. So Back, I mean, in this situation to this trade, what happens? Does does Oklahoma City call you guys saying, "Hey, there's there's a possibility we're looking at moving Harden," uh, or is there a thing where you guys are calling, asking, and checking to see what James's availability is? There is there an appetite to that they have that they might be looking for trades for him? How does how does that kind of come about? And in this situation in particular, basically, who called who first? You know, the honest answer is I don't. I don't recall. It definitely wasn't me. So it definitely would have been either Daryl calling them or, or them calling Daryl. But I, I, and I'm sure at the time I knew who did what, but I, 
I don't. It's just too long ago. I'm nah, nah, no worries. I apologize. No worries. That's that's not a problem at all. As a person who's getting up there and forgetting things, I can relate. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so then, do you remember like what was like the first hurdle you guys felt you had to overcome in this thing? I, I mean, you know. In- well, yeah. I mean, I think I I think the big hurdle we felt was whether or not they like. We were off. We were going to offer a lot, and we did. From the, I mean, this wasn't like one where you play games and you're like, well, maybe this, and then you add a little. This was like we're offering a lot, and I think we told them we would be, if we told them we'd be flexible in how we do it, and then it was really whether or not they wanted to do a deal like this, right? Mm-hmm. And so, so the big hurdle was just them deciding to do it, and then the other piece we just had no idea of knowing, and and I think it's underreported and under focused on is there's, you know, I, I've never spoken to them about this. By the way, they're, they're really smart guys and they run a great organization, but for sure that they were speaking to other teams. Right. Right. So the, the thing that we didn't know was what others were doing. And, and, and the thing that we were very worried about was that not that we were offering a lot and we were offering, you know, everything basically that we thought we could, uh, you know, again, when with a player like this, that's relatively easy to do. The issue is more whether other teams would come in and 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 just make offers that were objectively better than what we were able to do at that point in time. And and so we had no way of knowing what others were doing and everything else. And so, you know, thankfully, we ended up with the with the top bid. It, it seems like. And then you had mentioned earlier that like his name was floating around your offices about a month ago, but like start to finish, like how long does it take to really kind of put this together? I mean, you know, from the outside, like I was with the the Clippers at the time as a video coordinator and it, it felt like it happened very quickly, but obviously I know that the trades take longer to build. It doesn't very rarely happens in, in one phone call or two phone calls. How long did it take start to finish to, to finally pull this pull this whole thing together. Well, I think think there was about a week where we thought we, we had a real chance if I remember right. And so I remember that I remember make, I think like up all night for like two nights in a row at the very end, just, and so, yeah, so I think, but, but, but I mean, if you, if you look back at the assets, this, this was like, you know, like we traded for Kevin Martin two years before, like, you know, these things do take a long time to build in that, you know, like we're trying to get a guy, like James and we were trying to to piece together something that would be very attractive to 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 creating a package where we could do that right and so if look if you look at it from that from that perspective i think you know it was a very you know it it was a very long time i think it was like literally like 2 years to put together everything that then ended up making it happen and, and during those 2 years were there any times where you know, you guys think other directions or is it always a clear cut, you know, this is how we want to go about this trade. This is how we want to approach the team, even though there are other teams that may be trying to bid against us. How how does that relationship play out between you and Oklahoma? Well, it wasn't like when we started two years before, it wasn't necessarily, oh, we knew we had no way of knowing that James Harden was going to be available. We were just assuming that somebody would, you know, that that one of the top. 10 to 20 guys in the league would, would be available. That generally happens every summer. And we wanted to be in a position to competitively bid for them. And then, you know, if we got one of those guys, then we figure out the rest, right? Like we, we felt like we had, 
we're, we were good at developing that. Like I said, at the very beginning, good at developing very good players. Um, great players are, are, are just few and far between a little bit by definition. And so, you know, we, we were trying to find somebody who, who through their presence could elevate everyone. I mean, uh, only a couple of years before we had, we had, you know, two, two guys like that in Yao and Tracy. And so, you know, when their careers got cut short, by injury then it was like okay we need to we need to replicate this somehow not necessarily with a guy who was like Yao, a guy who was like tracy but with just a you know a top tier player or multiple top tier players you know because we think you know that's the way you win championships and, and that's always kind of been the goal um kind of going into your planning obviously everyone knows the amount of data and analytics that goes into you know the the decisions you guys make but in 2012, 2011, how much data did you guys actually have on James Harden as a player um, to, to make him a, a target, one of I mean, the targets? I don't know. The, yeah, I don't know that we were. I mean, he, James was not. I mean, he was on the Olympic team. So, you know, I, I would say, <laughs> right. you know, as, as it relates to like analytics, like, you know, James Harden was not hidden. Right. And so uh, the entire league knew he was really, really good. You know, I like again, I think it was just how much would people give up? Every single team would have loved to have had him. It was just how much would people give up to get him, right? I, I, I really do believe that that was the case in that instance. And then, you know, uh, and, and then the and then, you know, whether or not he would move at all, right? And so I think, you know, we the beginnings of what we are now were already in place then eight years ago in terms of how we looked at the game, but we weren't, we weren't as sophisticated. We weren't as advanced, but this wasn't a deal that like was analytically driven, right? right? Like this is a guy who everybody had as one of the top young players in the NBA. I think all of our scouts guys, uh, you know, all the scouts for other teams had in that way. This, you know, this, we were super interested and in, in some of the stuff that we look at had us value him higher than other teams. Frankly, I don't think that's the case. I think everybody thought he was good. I just think maybe we were, you know, maybe a little bit more aggressive or maybe we had him a tiny bit better than other people did. But I mean, there's no chance anybody had him as not really good. Right. Um, right. So, you know, I, I don't I don't want to overstate that. And I think sometimes just because we're Houston people. Um, and I think people, I think some teams around the league get annoyed by it and, and I don't blame them to a certain degree. I mean, a lot of what we do, everybody else is doing the same things too, right? Like we're not trying to say that, you know, like if you're, if, if you're, if you, if you make the Olympic team, you're a really good basketball player, right? Like right. If, if you're on the dream team, you know, you're great. Just <laughs> you're, you're one of 12 so, guys, right? Like you're, yeah. Like, so like, you know, I, I don't know how much analysis needs to go into that. You know, and so I don't think fundamentally that that we were looking at something different or looking looking at him differently than other people were. I think, and it would be doing a disservice to James. And 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 I think that that's and I think sometimes that that as we look at James today and over the last five years, where I think he's been either the best or the second best at worst player in basketball. Um, I think sometimes he gets cheated a little bit because people intertwine his story with the story of the rockets and analytics and everything else. And, and that's not fair to him. I mean, fundamentally James Harden is just an amazing basketball. He's not cheating the game. Like 
one on one, like no one can stay in front of the guy. He's six five, two hundred twenty five pounds, whatever he is, and and he's and he's a pure shooter, but no one can stay in front of him, right? Like it's like if you if you guard him, he just shoots layups. He doesn't even shoot threes. He just shoots layups until you back off so far that he's shooting wide open threes. That's that's a that 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 is really special, and that's all him. And there's no analytics to that. He's just he's just a great a truly great, a generationally great basketball player. Um, and, and that's all, that's all to his credit, right? That's, there's no numbers that made him that way. There's no, there, there's nobody whispering in, in his ear to tell him, to tell him to do that. That's just James grinding on the court every day to become the best guy he could possibly become. Right. And, and the question I do want to ask though, is like, look, the past five years, he's either won the MVP or been the runner up. You know, when you're making that trade in 2012, you know, he for the, the Thunder, he's coming off the bench. He just won six man of the year. He you know, he's he's on the Olympic squad. Did you guys have a feeling that when you got him, you're like, hey, this guy is going to be an MVP for us. Like this is you, you knew he was going to be the you, you made the moves thinking he's going to be our cornerstone guy. But did you guys realize like this is how dominant he's going to be, you know, during during this run? No, I think anybody who would say that he would be that they knew he would be this good would be would be lying. I, I was probably the highest on him, um, but that's because th- that's just that's not a function of me being smart. It's more just a function of like you know everybody's got these biases, right? And mine are really towards skill, and so he's just this inordinately skilled basketball player, and that was evident, at, you know, back then. So so. You know, at least among the people here currently, I, I don't remember. Maybe some of the folks who were here then, but have since transitioned, were were as higher higher than me. I, I don't remember, but um, but yeah, I mean, I, I thought he was this amazingly talented guy. But no, I mean, you and I definitely, I think everybody thought he for sure had all star talent. But MVP, you know, but to know that he was going to be an MVP, no, nah, I mean that that would be a lie to say that. I mean, that's that's just not fair, and it's not fair to his work, right? Like. He, he worked himself into being this amazing basketball player. And, you know, he's not a guy who was just born with this, you know, with these tools that made it like a foregone conclusion. He, he had to work for it. And so, you know, he got here as, as an exceptionally good basketball player, for sure. One of the top, you know, 12 in the world, but to become, you know, into that one, two category. No, he, he worked at it. Right. He, he created it. And then what did it feel like that night? The trade's done. You guys, both sides have agreed. It's, it's locked up. Like, what's the feeling in the, the, the front office, in the office, when all this kind of comes down? Like, how, how did you guys feel about that night, after that night? Um, we were ecstatic. Like, it was, like I said, it was the culmination of years. So, in some respects, if you think about it, like, that when you do a big deal like that, um, the, the the 12 hours right afterwards is like the best, you know, that's like the best ever, right? Cause you, yeah. cause from your perspective, at least you won it and things haven't had a chance to go wrong yet, you know? Right. And so, uh, so yeah, so we're ecstatic and, you know, and, but th- I, I think that tends to happen, right? That happens. You tend to be, uh, you know, you tend to be ecstatic right afterwards. It doesn't mean you did a good deal. It You're just right. means, you know, you, it just means you did a good de- a deal that you thought was really good, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, the the to your point about not trying to win the press conference, um, 
you know, we're, we're not. So, so if we're doing these deals, we tend to think that they're good. And, and so it ends up being one of those things where the bigger the deal is, the happier I am at the end of it, <laughs> notwithstanding the fact that there's no guarantee it'll, it'll work out. You know? <laughs> right. Mo, obviously everyone knows, you know, how Houston reacted, but you were at the Clippers at the time. How was the Clippers reaction to that, that trade that night? Well, you know, we were, this is a year after we got in Chris Paul. So we had that experience, Rafael, where, you know, right after the trade, when we get Chris, we're all going nuts ourselves. Um, and obviously the whole trade getting vetoed to the Lakers and everything, a, a lot of emotions were were felt in that, in yeah. that one. Um, I'm still a little sore. Yeah. yeah no, I, I, <laughs> listen, it worked out for me, man. Listen, I'm, I'm sorry, but it worked out for me. I will take it. Uh, the, uh, uh, it worked it it worked out for all of us. I don't I don't think I don't think we'd have had James. And, right. And, uh, yeah. So and on, just on a purely personal level, like the experience with him has been worth everything. So it's been great. Yeah. And and the the funny thing is, I don't remember if I was already on a phone call with Chauncey Billups or if we were texting and then we jumped to a phone call. But I when I saw the trade come across the uh, the ticker, like. Chauncey and I both, you know, are talking to each other and we're both ecstatic because for us, we're thinking like, wow, like we thought this is a huge move for you guys. We thought this is going to, but we also thought in our perspective, we're like, this is going to weaken the thunder and we're going to have a chance to really, to really, this is another chance for us to really go out on top. And, and, and this is our chance to, to, to really shine of course you know flash forward and the thunder won 60 games that season so uh not so much uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> not so much didn't really weaken them the way we thought it would uh back in october but i just remember i'll never forget the trade just because that reaction and just me and chauncey talking to each other about it going like man no we really think we're like the and then at the same time we we're just like but man houston's gonna be a beast with james and we got to watch out for them too uh, but we were ecstatic in that sense. Of like we thought it opened up a door for us. Uh, obviously, uh, not so much. But uh, that was that was my reaction to the whole thing. How did you guys celebrate that night? Uh, it just I popped mean, into my head. Like, was there like a you yeah, know, we're all going champagne again? Yeah, champagne. <laughs> no, the deli was no champagne. I, I don't. I think it was late, and I think we were just like hugging. But I, I, I don't. I don't actually remember. <laughs> I, I remember being in the conference room with Daryl uh, and it being late. Uh, that's what I remember. But I, and I don't, and I, I'm sure we weren't, I'm sure there's a bunch of people there, but I, I, I just, I just don't, I just honestly, it's, it's, it's so old. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't remember. So, so the way, the way kind of how it is now where you guys put pieces around him to complement his skill set, was there a general or a similar kind of, you know, idea in 2012 after that trade went down that, Hey, we should probably put some guys around to to make this thing work. Well, the, that deal actually happened on the eve of the season, so I think we had something like twenty four hours before our first game, or thirty six, or some. I think he got one practice in, and then we played. If I remember right, like it was it was so like it was past preseason. So I think you know I think the answer was no. We we already had a team. Um, that was, you know, that we thought had a lot of good players on it. And, and so we just rolled with those guys and with him and, and then just to see what we had, you know, and, um, and then over time, you know, you try and you just, you know, the, the, one of the things we got super lucky, but one of the things that's awesome about James is, 
you know, you don't, it's not like there's one particular guy that you have to play him with. It, his game is so well-rounded that, you know, he can play with anybody. Right. And so, um, so we, you know, from, from then on, it's just been, it's just been about finding the best players that we can surround him with. Um, you know, and he, and he, you know, and, and, and it's great because every night we have a chance, every night he plays, we have a chance to win just cause he can just win it by himself. And, um, and that attracts other guys, right? Because, um, and, and that's what we found is that, is that people have pretty consistently wanted to be here, wanted to play with us. Um, and it's been great in free agency. It's been, it's been great in trades and, you know, and, 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 you know, obviously players don't have as much control in trades, but they still, depending on upon the, the organization you're doing deals with, sometimes they can have, a, they can still have a ton of uh, a control if the organization wants to send them someplace that they want to go to. And so, um, so yeah, having him here has been a blessing in that respect. So so obviously on paper, it's a fantastic trade. But the first game, you know, thirty-seven points, twelve assists against Detroit. What's the feeling after that game about just James and about the trade in general? I mean, it just kept the euphoria going. I would say, like I said, that first twelve hours, you're like, this is awesome, we got it done. But the next two hours, like, oh my god, I hope it works. Right? Like, <laughs> right. I, hope, I hope I hope we're not idiots. I, I you know, and. uh but yeah, no, it was immediate validation. And I think he got maybe like a half a workout in with us. Like, and the pace, I think he had maybe one practice and the pace at which he practiced. I, 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 I value practice, like watching practice, observing guys work out a lot. Um, and so I remember being excited uh, just watching that. Like, um, you know, James plays at his own pace. He always has. Um, and, and so, so sometimes his athleticism is a little hidden. Um, but just kind of watching up close, like it was clear that he's, you know, he's not only this incredibly skilled player, but he's a very good athlete too. And um, yeah, I was really excited. So basically my, you know, I think organizationally our excitement level has maybe never gone down. Like we're just kind of on this, on this, you know, it feels like every year he gets better and like, and uh, yeah, he's, he's certainly if every trade you could do would be, would be like that one, I would, I would do it because Yeah. It's it's been good to us. What's what's one thing that when you when he come, when he comes over and like you said you get a chance to watch him in practice you're watching how hard he's going. What's something that surprised you about him? Because obviously you know when we're just looking at afar you know at these players until we bring them over into your team you don't really know what they're fully all about. Like what's something that kind of surprised you where you're just like oh wow you know like this is really impressive. Oh yeah, a hundred percent is his work ethic. He works harder than any player I've ever seen. Period. In the statement that you do not expect that from. It, well, you. I mean, you don't expect anyone to work harder than everyone else, right? Like that's almost right. by definition you don't expect it, right? So that that's it. Like he works on his game night and day. He, I mean, the, his love of basketball is also probably higher than anyone else I've ever met, and and the two are def, definitely coordinated. But yeah, the the biggest surprise was just watching how hard he works, how hard he practices, his ability to play at game speed. Like he, I mean, he's created all these moves, right? Like his step back is like a generational move um, that no one had even thought of before. Uh, watching him develop that over the course of, it wasn't like he developed that in a week. It was like over the course of a couple of years, watching him refine it and work on it, and work on it, and use it once every three games, then use it once a game. Then, you know, now it's 15 times a game, whatever it is watching him shoot it in practice, you know, um, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's his work ethic, you know, his ability to work in practice at game speed, 
you know, whether it's one-on-one, one-on-none, five-on-five, yeah, his, his willingness to, to play at game speed all the time was just mind-blowing to me, and, and I definitely did not expect it. So, so from my perspective, that's, that's by far and away the thing that, that I was most surprised by. So you're saying the uh, the the floating the the runner three is coming pretty soon. I feel like he flashed that a little bit over the summer, so we're gonna get he's the one perfecting like that. The, so, yeah, the one leg, like yeah, so the one leg. Like, yeah, he 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 hits that thing like it's it's he I you know he doesn't do stuff in games that he doesn't that he does that he doesn't hit right. And right. so you know yeah, I mean that's you know that was one of the things that we did know about him. Like you, you'd asked about analytics earlier, Kelly. One thing we did know about him was he just doesn't miss very much, right? He didn't miss in high school. He didn't miss in college. Didn't miss in his early years in the NBA, right? So, like, that, you know, that's, that, that, is, that is a combination of somebody who's a very, very good finisher at the rim, very good shooter, but also somebody who's got great, you know, who cares about shot selection, right? Because, like, fundamentally, if you'll just shoot any shot, you can't shoot super high percentages. And so, yeah, he's somebody who's going to get to the shot that he wants that he thinks he can hit at a high percentage that, that, that I think we was one thing we did know. Um, and the, you know, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, he, he does, he does work at it. I, yeah. You can ask him about the one legged, uh, falling out of bounds <laughs> shot, but, but, uh, but yeah, his work ethics, it, it really, it's by far and away the most, the most underreported thing about him. It's truly, it's truly remarkable. Yeah. Uh, so if we're going to put, you know, the Harden trade and Harden's career in, in door one, what is door two? Like, what, what were the alternatives? If for some reason this trade doesn't go down, you know, for some reason a, a missed phone call or something, what was you guys' plan, you know, like your plan B, if there was one? Well, again, we were on the eve of the season. You know, very few deals get done at that time of year. So, yeah, we, the plan B was finding someone who we hoped could have a chance to be a great player, probably not at the moment we traded for James, it wasn't like we had 50 conversations going on at the same time, but at the trade deadline and then not at the trade deadline, then in the summer, right. Um, maybe they don't do a deal. Maybe he's a free agent, you know, so maybe we're going after him the next summer, you know, but it wouldn't have been just him. It would have been the universe of guys who are available. I mean, we, we don't ever, um, we don't ever limit ourselves just because it always takes two to tango. Right. Like, and so, um, there's never just, there's never door A or door B. There, what there tends to be is door one through 100, and you know, and we're willing to do any of them at various levels. We'd like one best. We'd like, but we're willing to do 100 too, right? Now it's not right. going to be the same assets, not going to be the same deal, but um, but again, getting back to our thing about just always trying to trying to make the team better, I think that's kind of the way we look at it. Yeah, so let's let's get a little bit away from the trade. I want to ask you this question since you've been with the Rockets for so long. What what has been one of your favorite moments you know working for the team? You know, maybe it's this trade, maybe it's 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 the night you and Daryl get the hug after completing this trade. Um or, or or it's a game that stands out. Like what are what is one moment that just kind of remains special to you, you know, since your time with the team? I don't know if there's just one. I think the first moment I had with the team that was really great was our 22-game win streak in 2007, 8, something like that. I don't know when that was. Um, that was really that was really fun. It was a really good group of guys. Um, it was the first probably team 
where I was personally really close to a bunch of our players, um, really liked them. Um, and they, you know, to me, kind of that team and what they were about, they played really hard um, and they played pretty free. To me, that's kind of, that's kind of been what we've been trying to achieve every single year um, since, you know, since then. Right. And we've obviously had teams that were materially better than that team. Um, but that team kind of played to, to, to its max level of talent as well as any that I've ever been around. Um, I'd say uh, game six against the Clippers when we came back uh, from, I don't know, 19 points down, whatever it was. That was pretty amazing and pretty fun. Um, I, I wasn't with the team anymore. Mode. I wasn't there with the team anymore, uh-huh. so that's fine. You can, you can <laughs> okay. enjoy that moment was, all you want. I was going to say, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Um, and actually, the thing, one of the things that people miss is they didn't get, like, the, I think the Clippers were favorites in that series going in, even though we had home court. And, I mean, that team was stacked, and uh, and we blew them out in game seven. And so it wasn't just game six. Like game six doesn't mean anything if you don't win game seven. And so, uh, so, so, so what I talk about, I talk about, I tend to talk about game six and seven. Um, and then I would say, you know, uh, game five against the Warriors a couple of years ago, that was just kind of a magical season where, you know, our guys really, really maxed their talent out and played amazing. Um, and then obviously, you know, we were at their place and we beat them and, uh, you know, and then with like 30 seconds or something left, Chris gets hurt. That really sucked. But so I would, I would say game, game five until whatever it was until 32 seconds left in the game or something. I don't remember what it was. It was 58 seconds. We literally just did this game last week. <laughs> Kelly and I went they, through it. So, so the first 47 minutes of game five, yeah. I would say. Yeah, those are all, those are probably to me the most fun games or little snippets. Thankfully, like, there have been some really fun ones, though. Like, we, when we, I think that same year we beat Golden State in game one, and the team had just, had just been sold. And so it was the first game for the Fortita family. And uh, that was really fun. I think we, we thought we won, then we thought we lost, then we won again. And, you know, it was just, it was a really fun game to be at. It was really fun for them. It was a great, it was, it was fun being able to like, I, I've, I've been doing this a while, but it was, it was really, really fun to kind of be able to watch that game alongside them and through their eyes. And just cause it was their first one it, that, ad, that definitely added something for me personally. It was just, that was a really, really fun regular season game. And obviously it was golden state and, they they've been a team that's been you know intertwined with ours and not so good <laughs> for the last well, five years. I've said it many times. I've always respected the fact that you guys continued to go at them though, or or, or chase them in that sense. Whereas it felt like some teams were just willing to wait them out, whereas you guys were like, no, we're gonna we're gonna put together a team to go beat them. So I always kind of give the respect in that in that regards for to the Rockets for, you know, hey, like, we're going to take our shot at these guys. And you guys scared them, I think, more than any team. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, well, uh, was it not, uh, was it last year's playoffs? I think it was last year's playoffs. Yeah, like, like uh, when we played them in game one, I was like, you know, obviously we do a bunch of studying 
going into the series and everything. And, and they did not, when we played them in game one, they did not look like the team we'd been seeing on tape. It was, they were flying, man. Uh, There's nothing so, worse you know, as a video guy. When, you do, when you're like, okay, we're ready. And then you're like, where'd this play come? What's this? What's this? You get all no, scared. I mean, they're like, you know, we're like, yeah. I mean, they were, they played really hard. But, you know, what I would say on that, that one is just, yeah, I mean, since since the topic is kind of James, yeah, we when we're in James Harden's again, you know, my view the best, but I, I I grant that not everyone agrees with me, but he's the best player in basketball over the last five years. When you've got a guy like that, you don't you play right, right? Like you compete. You know, we he gives us a chance every single year, every single game, and so uh, so I'd like to take credit for the fact that we're, you know super macho and competitive no matter what. But I, I don't know that we're situated in the same way other teams are. I think every team makes its own decisions, you know, in the best way they can. And, and I think generally people do a pretty good job, uh, you know, but for us, you know, we, we have, you know, we've got this guy that makes everything possible and we're in, we're in this window. So we're going to, we're going to, we, you know, we're, we're going to do the best we can while we're in it. Perfect. Well, Rafael, thank you so much, man. I think we've taken up a, enough of your time. Yeah, uh, and <laughs> it, was a, it was a lot of fun, man. I'll, hopefully, we can get you on again, and we didn't drive you crazy in any way. No, it was really fun. Thanks. It was. A, I, I'm sitting here watching tons and tons of video, including video of guys who don't play in the NBA because they cannot play in the NBA. So I didn't know you got not, footage of me. Not the most I scintillating I topic. <laughs> yeah, well, he, he, I, found, he found the clips. He found the clips. I, did, I didn't know you found my game clips there. Uh, that's, they're, they're, they're mixed in alongside mine. So, uh, so uh, anyway, uh, yeah. So this this was a this was a welcome respite. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, for Rafael, for Kelly, for Sasha, our producer, and for me, we out. 